from Kalalu Studios in New York City. You are listening to Let's Take It Offline with your host, Kishana Palmer. Hey, Fab Crew. You're listening to Let's Take This Offline, the podcast for everyday leaders. Part inspiration, part sit down. Let's have a conversation. Here's where you'll find the real deal about living well and leading well. I'm Kishana Palmer, your host and resident leadership whiz. What happened in the meeting after the meeting? We talk about it all on Let's Take This Offline. Don't forget to subscribe, download, and leave a comment so we can keep the conversation going. Katrina Stroll is a Navy veteran who served as an aviation structural mechanic. Now with over 10 years of human resources experience and a passion for psychological safety, Katrina continues to serve others. In 2018, Katrina decided to take her own life after internalizing the behavior of a toxic workplace. Since then, she has become a huge advocate of mental health and works to reduce the stigma through their show, Absolutely Not. Absolutely Not is the weekly live podcast dedicated to providing examples of setting personal boundaries at work and the vocabulary needed to name harm in those spaces. What's up, y'all? It's your girl, Kishana, and I am back in the studio for another juicy episode of Let's Take This Offline, the podcast for everyday leaders. Today, y'all, I have a special guest who is hanging out with me in the studio, and I want to keep bringing to you folks who are just going to give you the real deal that is happening with us at life and at work. And so today's guest, Katrina, who y'all just heard me gush over her, okay? So, you know, she is my friend, and I am bringing her up to the studio stage. Welcome, <laughs> Katrina! I'm excited. I'm hype. I'm, I'm ready, honestly. Very ready. <laughs> ready. Ready, 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 ready. <laughs> so I have already been gushing about you, and but I figured it would be so great for you to share with us just like a little bit about how you got to today. You are a psychological safety consultant. Those are some big shoes and some big words. So talk to us. Who, who are you to bring us into your party? Hmm. So I got to where I am today by being at my complete lowest. I think you talked about in 2018, I decided to take my own life because of the workplace I was a part of and the messages they were giving to me at the time. I decided I wasn't a good employee, so I'm probably not a good person and I don't deserve to be on this earth anymore. I never want anyone to get to that point. I want people to understand that your worth has nothing to do with your work. And I do that type of work every single day. I love that. And I think one of the things that was so clear to me is that there are so many of us where our identity about like who we are and how we show up in the world and what makes us awesome is directly tied to work. And for lots of us, 
we started working. I grew up in New York City. So we started working before we even got our official New York uh, working papers. Okay. You got your working papers at 14. Yet I was making money the whole year before that. Okay. So we've been working for a long time and it was so attached to our independence, to our, our freedom, right? To our ability to be able to, for me, to be in with the end and to get stuff done and even to have pocket money for things I wanted for myself, to have money for college. This is tied to a lot. And so working over time started to take on this like largesse role and was really attached to what it meant to be an adult. So if you have an experience where you're not seen, heard, validated, rewarded, um, lovingly corrected, all the things at work, Man, that literally topples your apple your your apple cart, doesn't it? Hmm. And my apple cart was full of like I, I, I'm thinking of a really specific type of apple, um, just like the <laughs> best apples. Because the organization yes. I was a part of, they filled my cart up with like, oh, girl, you're getting this reward, you're doing all this. But as soon as I needed something else from them, yes, that cart, <laughs> right. All of a sudden, it was like, so about that. Yeah. We're going to need all them apples back. Can you just can you just bring them and hand them on your way? Can you just... <laughs> you want to bake that? We need a pie, a tart, a strudel. We gonna, but you can't have none, though. Like, mm-hmm. like it's, just, it's just a lot. Mm-hmm. And so many of us, I think, and I'll use this word, suffer... And don't even know we're suffering in silence. We just think that this is a part of what it is. So how did you take that, like, that is transformative, both the experience in that moment in time, mm-hmm. and then the decision that comes at a point after that moment in time to go, oh, what we're not found to do about has to have anybody else. This thing, oh, no, not if I can, not on my watch. Mm. What was the set of experiences or things or benchmarks that got you to that decision? Um, I think it was, so I decided to take my own life multiple times. It didn't, Mm. um, so I had to do it multiple times. And then finally, my, my reality or my ability to observe the behavior of the people inside of that organization for what it actually is to name the harm for what it actually is, to put the label on the people that needed the labels is where I realized people that look just like me or people that are a part of the groups that I'm a part of have no idea what these labels and words are. Somebody needs to talk about these labels and words. Woo. And yet, Katrina, there are books, blogs, research, air quotes, Mm -hmm. You know, people were Googling it. I researched it. No, you Googled it. It's not the same. It's one of those differences in Google. Okay. (laughs) There's information, right, that exists about this very thing. And yet, in your work, I feel like you've had the experience of time or two or three that folks feel like this is new. Like, oh, I had not considered this before. Mm. What, What do you think that's about? And I'm, and as I continue this work, I'm I believe it's stemming from the representation. When I Google boundaries or when I type in Instagram boundaries, the first face that pops up or mental health is a white woman. That is not me. 
Wait a minute, y'all. I'm about to run to the Google. Hold on. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm on my laptop. Let me, I believe okay. you. Just, listen, but y'all see these images? Wait a minute, y'all. It's true. <laughs> and so how am I supposed to find solace in that or support in that or even um, validate my emotions in that state that I was in if I can't see myself in it? <laughs> the reason I'm having a wow moment is because, you know, I do a lot of facilitated learning experiences and trainings and I speak, you know, speak every week. And the amount of time that I spent, I don't do this much anymore because I feel like I have a good, like, like visual library of the diaspora of folks, but it took some doing. But the amount of time I used to spend on looking for photos to illustrate a point where I could pull from somebody who looked like me, who, because the visual is important. People think that the visual is not important. You Sometimes you have things that you have to name where differences lie, but the vi- people are still visual creatures. Mm-hmm. And that does something. It's, a, it's a, a narrative that is unspoken, but it's a ticker tape that is going across the screen when you go to look for something to figure out like, what the heck is going on? And you don't see things that align to what you see in the mirror or folks that look like you. Like that's a, a huge thing that I think we take for granted, not just as for me as a black woman, right? But for my white colleagues and counterparts too, who don't even think, they don't think about it. That's, that's not actually even a thought for most folks. Mm-hmm. So when you introduce this topic in a space as a consultant, what do you think is like the, what's the, the initial reaction more times than not that you get from folks? So um, if we're talking about the relationships and the boundaries portion, they're all about it. But when I talk about it coming from different people, let me, because when it comes from Becky, they are ready. They're like, oh yes, Becky, take time off, go see your son play soccer. But when it comes from me, What's the word they use? What's the attitude that you have an attitude? attitude. You're defiant. Yeah. Ooh. So that's what that's the pill that they have a hard time swallowing is this baseline word and necessity that baseline respect is not equal across the board. And I think that over the last like 18 months or so, folks, some folks act brand new, like this is brand new brand new news. Uh there's some folks look. I've been a consultant for the last decade and there's folks who've been in the game three times that long. I just, it's like the work that we're doing is not new. What is it's necessary and it's Lego, right? Like you have to keep stacking it, but I'm always curious and tell me how you had an experience when folks feel like it's brand new. When I have to say like, if I say it, y'all are going to be like, Oh, stop complaining. You don't know how to assert yourself or you're too assertive, aggressive, right? Or you're not a team player or you don't know how to handle it or maybe you're not cut out for it. Mm-hmm. And not realizing that some of that is a, re- a record or a repeat that we thought we had put in the attic. Like we're like, okay, I'm, I, I was hearing that in high school. I might've been hearing that in elementary school. I might've been hearing that from some s- silly college professor some first job, I'm still hearing this. So 
how do you walk folks into a greater sense of like understanding about toxic behavior in the workplace and how to navigate this in a healthier way? Hmm. And I think that's why I stay in my advocacy for psychological safety. I mean, I definitely use isms when I do my trainings and everything because we're calling a spade a spade at this point, but I'm trying to get people to understand that this is a very baseline. When I was an aviation mechanic, the bare minimum of protective gear that we had to wear was a helmet, gloves, and a vest to make sure we don't fall off the ship when we're um, getting jets out into space. So I'm trying to give you the bare bones here. You don't have to talk about racism if it makes you uncomfortable. You definitely should, uh, Jack, Jill, and Bob, whoever else is in the building. But we're going to talk about the safety part and the harm that you're causing to, towards your Black employees by not being a safe place for them. So I guess to answer your question, I, I don't play that. Like, you have to do level one. You have to do level one. And level one touches a lot of stuff. You don't have to go to level two with me. Find somebody else. Go ahead. But you're going to do level one. Because you're like, I love that analogy you gave. So you are, um, you were in the Navy. Mm -hmm. Right. And so when you talk about like the basics, you know, the actual people think people think the word PPE is new. (laughs) You know, you're like, no, people were wearing protective equipment for a long time. Um, So when you think about that sort of level one, level one of what? Like when you're just when you're talking about level one, bring me into that. Like what what is the what is the level one of folks understanding? Mm. So level one is accepting what abusive behavior is. So a lot of us have different definitions of what abuse looks like, which is why traumatic experience occur at work because nobody's naming, we can get into the whole spider web, but I want you to all be on the same playing field. This is what abuse looks like. This is what verbal abuse looks like. This is what emotional abuse looks like. This is what harm looks like to another person. And when you cause harm, this is how you create a safe space for someone to tell you that they've caused or that you have caused them harm. So we're talking about level one. That's level one for me. Get the vocabulary, (laughs) get the baseline of experiences, because oftentimes we're using the same words and meaning different things. Mm-hmm. And so level one to me sounds like you, you get like, I need to get, I need to level set expectations for everybody in the building. Also get us on the same like vernacular and lexicon so that we can navigate these conversations. Mm-hmm. It's because there's so many like organizations are made up of so many people. I came from a very different background than anybody else who's on that board or anybody else who's consulting. Mm-hmm. So we need to know exactly what you think harm is, what you think abuse is, what you think a violation of a boundary looks like. Do you even know what boundaries are? Do you have self-worth? Do you know what all of these things I need to know what's in your dictionary? So we can talk to Webster real quick and get the definitions correct. First of all, now talk to the Webster. (laughs) Can we talk? Webster, hello? Okay. (laughs) A lot of words have made it into the Websters. I just want you to know. A lot of words. (laughs) so I think that's important and just being able to respect like people's lived experience but also to say like actually y'all your experience although it's not less than this other experience definitely has landed differently Mm. so the question that I 
was thinking about was, is, is work making you ill? Oh, is, is my work making me ill or is work making other people? Work making others ill. Like that's the thing that I was thinking of when I thought about like, you know, how you come into work and what you're working on. And also like what people are experiencing. I was see, I saw a study the other day that 92% of people right now uh, who are working full time by and large are looking for another job. Mm-hmm. And there's been an uptick in the last year of about 30% from folks who are between 35 and 44 who are looking for another opportunity and where their health and well-being is a number one priority and consideration for whether they would stay with their current employer or they would leave and go to some another employer. So people are like, I'm out. I mean, they're calling it the great resignation for goodness sake. People are out. They're out at 5,000. So when I talk to folks about like why they're leaving, I'm noticing now more, you can see it in Reddit threads and you can see it more on people's social media posting and definitely in the commercialization of wealth, of wellness and well-being and all of the like Instagram memes and gifs and posts. Folks are like, I am not well, I'm gonna go. Mm-hmm. So to your initial uh, point to me about the fact that your identity and how you saw yourself was so immersed, enmeshed in work. And folks are leaving in droves and citing that health and well-being is important. Then my question is like, oh, yo, are, is work making folks ill? Mm-hmm. Literally? The place we spend the most time? I think work without that extraction and those boundaries and those expectations is what's causing the illness. Because now people have that list, like I want anti-racism, I want wellness at the forefront, I want mental health at the forefront, I want to be able to work from home. Before they didn't have that list, they just had like, this is the role, I try to make this much money, and could y'all try to not be racist at work sometimes? Did you like that one? What? <laughs> could y'all just try to not, can you try not to be racist? But now it is the expectation. It is just, this is the standard and we're not budging it. Because you talked about the great resignation. They also, they're also calling it a culture shift, which is hard for a lot of people to swallow, but y'all better get to swallowing. Come on. Because people are like, <laughs> like people are leaving. <laughs> like, I gotta go. So there are a lot of conversations around boundary setting. And the one of the questions I get a lot is, okay, Kashana, so how do I start with setting boundaries at work? I'm a manager. I'm a people manager. I lead a team. Management does some things sometimes. makes me really question life. How do I ensure that I'm able to set the right kind of boundaries where people can do their best work and they can work in a healthy work environment? So how do people get started? Mm-hmm. So healthy relationships are definitely both built on healthy communication um you being afraid of having that conversation to begin with is maybe a red flag like why are you afraid sis bro fam to have a conversation with the people that you work with on a daily basis and it's Mm -hmm. um when people hear the word boundary they opt they automatically go to the negative like oh this gonna be a difficult conversation this gonna be controversial it is a normal ass conversation with the people you have to work with every single day And all you guys are talking about or all you folks are talking about is 
hey, I really can't take on project two and three. Is there any way that George and Jim can take on project two and three? And if in that conversation it goes south or it goes some type of way that you did not want it to go, then you get, that's more data. That's not, I mean, unless they're physically, you know, but that's just more data for you to write down and say, okay, this organization can't really my boundaries or keep up with what I'm trying to do here. Exactly. Exactly. So important. And I think, you know, when folks get stuck, let's say they're like, I've had the conversation. I've written something to management. You know, I've I've tried to to navigate this and nothing is changing. Um, In real time, I was working with a team the other day and we were talking about work blocking and scheduling and being able to schedule around outcomes, et cetera. And one of the leaders um, on the line said, you know, Kashana, this all sounds great. And I was like, uh-oh, <laughs> this all sounds great. And I was like, dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, but I'm not really confident that I can actually do that. I don't feel like I have the ability to say no and that that will actually be respected and honored. Um, can right. we all for her? Can we? I mean, um, we, I mean, I, um, I, I, I'm like, wait, hold on. Because I go right into problem solving mode. And I was like, ooh, but my heart is hurting right now for that comment. Because there's so much nested in that very statement. So how do we get folks to navigate those type of sticky waters where they don't have the, they haven't had the experience in that work environment or they have the overwhelming feeling that they can't do anything to change when their boundaries are being erased. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back in a few. We have all been there. Losing a team member is like throwing money in the trash and putting it outside for pickup. In fact, according to my most recent deep dive on these internet streets, according to the research, you can lose up to $200,000 in revenue and a lot of time when you don't make a great hire and your team members, well, they leave. So how do you find amazing talent and create the conditions for them to stick. If you've ever had a hard time hanging on to your team, you're looking for new strategies to help your team grow, or you're ready to level up as a manager and leader, then I have something for you. Sticky Teams, a private podcast just for everyday leaders, people managers, business owners, and folks who are looking to do talent management right so that you can recruit, retain, and develop great employees. I'm going to help you keep them engaged and make sure all of this aligns with the strategy and goals of your organization. The days of hiring and firing, of finding them and losing them are gone. Dig on in to Sticky Teams over at kashanaco.com. Don't forget to subscribe 
download and leave a comment so we can keep the conversation going. Now, let's head back to Let's Take This Offline. Oh, and I talked about that data. So your feelings, your emotions, your fears, that's data. That's data that's coming from the main processor, you. Um, If you print it out and it says, I am nervous, I am overwhelmed, I am constantly interrupted in meetings or disrespected, Mm -hmm. um, what are you going to do with that data? Yeah. Um, And if you print it out and it says that, but there's no data to back up that data, like I've never experienced that at this job. That's also something you have to do for yourself. But when those emotions arise or when you've seen that behavior consistently at that organization, that is data that you need to move forward with wherever that takes you. So important. So important to be thinking about like just and I love the way you said print it out, (laughs) you know, like and that means that we need to be keeping track. Mm-hmm. Of what's happening. Because oftentimes we get caught up, right? We're busy. Life is happening. Things are coming at you fast. You have projects. You have meetings. You have responsibilities. And so you're like, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. But what I hear you saying is like, no, you actually have to be actively participating in your own work life. Hey. Because um, we've seen in the past couple, uh, year and a half, two years, then people do not care about you. Uh, They do not care about the data that you are printing out. They do not care about um, what happens to you if they have to do a layoff. So you might want to start caring, uh, sis bro fam, because if you have to leave that organization for whatever situation occurred there and it be negative, at least you have a whole print sheet or a whole everything of from this date to this date, I felt all of this and this is why. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that is so, so, so critical um, to be able to to advocate for yourself. And, you know, when you think about um, being a mental health advocate, what do you think is the most like challenging uh, thing that you are encountering now in helping others in in this advocacy work? What do you feel like stands out to you as like "Ah, every time? Um, It would definitely be the stigma around my mental health conditions. So I have PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, major depressive disorder, and a secondary alcoholism disorder. And I'm very open about that because I have certain conditions around the way I interact with people and become in relationship with people, whether it be clients or organizations or partnerships. I need certain conditions. Sometimes when I'm in meetings with potential partners, they will immediately do the face or do. Y'all can't see the face if you're listening to this, but if you're watching this on the tubes of the U. (laughs) And I can see it. And they're they're immediately like grab their pearls and they're like, well, we will think about it because it. All throughout the whole meeting, it's fine, honky door. Then I'll say, oh, and I also have conditions around my mental health. I can only see you from this time to this time. And I can't do a lot of Zoom meetings back to back. Is that okay in the blood? Well. Wow. And so, yeah, I still see that till this day. That is a big one. That would be, that would get all the way on my nerves. And yet it is literally, it's like representative. You are your, essentially your own guinea pig, right? Because you're like, I, hello, I, I am teaching on this. And also in real time, you want to see my receipts? Receipts. 
It's happening right now. Hello, friends. You know, and so that I think is so, so important for folks to know, like when you're doing advocacy work, particularly if the thing you are advocating for is a part of your lived experience, Mm -hmm. that there's an additional like consideration or two or three that you have to keep in mind doing that advocacy work and that someone who is on the beneficiary end of that advocacy work that they've got to keep in mind. And that's a balance. Hmm. That's a balance. How do you keep all of that in balance? I know I've said this like a million times, but boundaries, the ability for me not to internalize those messages. Like I talked about before, I've internalized those messages before. If every time somebody clutched their pearls, I was like, oh, see, you should never said that. Don't never right. say that again in a meeting. I can't do that anymore. I, I have been to the, and I cannot go back to that. I just can't. I lose my life. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's literally mission critical. It's literally mission critical. I mean, that's basically what it is, right? When it comes down to it. And, and I appreciate that because that's, that's what we need to understand. And so when, you know, I know that you have a podcast, so shout out to all of the, the fellow podcasters who join me on the, in the studio, because we, this work we do is serious work. Okay. <laughs> but you talk about on your podcast. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, you talk about like different ways that folks can set specific boundaries. So I would love for you to share with our listeners, just like one of the ways that folks can, who are navigating psychological safety at work, who have to, who don't have big P power and big P power for me is power of position where your title allows you to be able to make decisions or power of influence where you just, you are the person to know. Like, nothing happens without Kathy, okay? You hear me? Because if Kathy does not say yes, it does not matter. The things do not get approved. Um, mm-hmm. So if you don't have one of those two power seats, um, you know, I'd love to hear a specific way about, how, a way that folks can think about, like, here's something that you could try. Mm-hmm. So with a lot of these practices and a lot of the stuff that we've talked about, we definitely want to be proactive instead of reactive. So I used to be very reactive in setting boundaries. I used to always go to, do you want to fight? Like, where the fuck is this coming from? I don't understand why we have to have a meeting right now. We don't want to be like that anymore. I don't act like that anymore because it's not productive. It's not effective. (laughs) So now while I am proactive, I already, before I move into an organization, have a list of expectations for the role and the people that are above me in that role or who I'm reporting to. This is the ideal relationship I want with my direct manager. Y'all don't have that? No, thank you. Um, If you're listening to this and you're a part of an organization already and you're starting to think, oh, well, Kathy does not align with that at all, then once again, we talk about that accountability. You need to do something with that data. That's you got some data now. Move forward. It's data now. And interestingly, people think about accountability oftentimes as a negative thing. Mm. Something to be avoided, something to be dreaded. You know, I'm gonna hold you accountable. Your, your, your belly drops, you get a little pit in your in your stomach. And I've really tried to reclaim that word and just the action of accountability so that it is a positive thing. It is a healthy thing. That means that there's somebody who can hold you up. And who can be like, come on, we got this path we got to walk on. Let's make sure we get there. Mm-hmm. As opposed to if you don't get there, if you don't do this thing, if you don't measure up. Mm-hmm. So many of us grew up with negative reinforcement as the way we got stuff done. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, rewarded for it. How many times did you get the, if you don't do, make it be bad, clean the bathroom, do your homework, <laughs> eat your peas, right? You just, yeah. Did that happen? Was that happening to you too? Because it's definitely, listen, I love my mom, my dog, shout out. She listens to every, every, every. <laughs> <laughs> she was queen of taking it away. If you don't, so you grow up with that negative reinforcement as a way to get stuff done, to stay in line. And so you respond to those negative messages. Mm-hmm. And it's real. once again, that's data. That, that is the data that we have. Now that we know that that type of behavior was in fact negative, mm-hmm. it was in fact, a, a, well, for me in my background, it was abuse. It wasn't effective or productive in the way that I um, wanted to grow up or how I want to raise my children today. So exactly. now that we have that data, we have to find new resources. We have to find new skills. We have to hold ourselves accountable. That accountability we get to redefine and we want to move forward. This is what we have to do. If we don't get it exactly. done, we're not going to be the best person we want to be. Exactly. Exactly. I hadn't thought about that in that way. I've always said like there is story in the data, right? Like this, a good storyteller, a good a person who, who synthesizes data is a storyteller. They may not know it yet. They may not have the words, but it's, it's, it tells you the story. It gives you the stuff, mm. you know? So as we settle into this, I could I, people keep saying, go get back to normal. I don't say that. As we settle into this next wave of what the, the newness will be, Mm-hmm. It feels, some of it feels like the same mess, just so y'all know. Mm-hmm. You don't put on a better dress, but it's the same mess. How do you think folks are going to navigate the new words, the new, or trying on new behaviors, new attitudes? So trying on boundaries for real, for real, and trying on new attitudes and ways of being at work so that the conditions are there for them to be access- successful. Um, what do you think is going to be an opportunity and in what do you think is going to be a challenge that folks are going to have as we continue to move on in this newer normal? Hmm. I think the opportunity and the challenge are one in the same. The expectations mm-hmm. of employers has risen. They have, they yes. just, we are looking for more from an employer and not even more. We're just looking for more access to what y'all should have been providing in the first place. And y'all providing okay. some people and have not been providing to me at the book, but we won't even get into that. But I, that, that gives organizations an opportunity when their employees come to them, then yeah. they can definitely wave that diversity and inclusion flag and say, oh, look, we made changes and stuff. Or they can not do that and not make no changes. Y'all definitely have the ball in your court at this point. So, and I just talked about this, all the organizations saying, I don't know what to do. Uh, shove it, shove it, shove it. <laughs> do you not, are you not with that? You're not in that line of thinking. You're like, come on, y'all. All these college yeah. degrees, advanced degrees, certification courses, classes, YouTube and tutorials, webinars. So nothing. Everything. You type in diversity one time, one, just one time in the Googles. In the Googles, just one time. In one the, time. And feeling good about it. <laughs> And we have, and because we know that it's so important to move the ball forward, even if it is incrementally, fortunately and or unfortunately, we've gotten good at cheerleading these small W wins, right? Because we're like, well, hell, it's better than nothing. Oh. You're like, sometimes, is it though? Because at least at the nothing portion of the program, you're like, this is devoid of anything that makes sense. 
But when you have a, a lukewarm, mediocre attempt at shifting the current of the culture in your organization so that it is safe for folks to show up powerfully and do their best work, is it, is it actually better than nothing? Mm. Which is why it's so important, uh, this vocabulary, like to know what harm is, to know what abuse is, to yes. see that from that lens with that information and that data, you're, you can obviously see who is in power, who is abusing power, who is not doing that and who hasn't been doing it for a long time. You know what I mean? Like, I know exactly oh, what you mean. Oh, yeah. But yeah. So you're in and out of organizations. You're talking to folks all the time. What is your biggest pet peeve? with leaders right now in this moment? Uh, don't hire me if you don't want me to do my job. Like <laughs> I, that, as soon as I realized, oh, you do not want me to do my job. I'm so, I, I want to end the contract right there. You're like, I gotta go. I'm tired of this mess. You're like, oh, you just want me here just to put me on a website to say you did it? Uh-huh. I'm like, oh. And it was a time Ooh. in my life I'm not going to lie to you, Katrina. There was a time, it was a long time, but there was a time that I would just take a jack. You know, you got things to do. I'm a solo mama. I got a baby to feed, you know, but I can't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. You just have to, there's a level of integrity that you level up with as you level in professional maturity. Mm -hmm. You realize that there's certain things you're just not going to do. So I can see that as something that is like, what is going on with y'all and why can you not get it together? Mm -hmm. Um, Absolutely. 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 Um, what, what is your secret talent? I always ask all my guests this because I'm always like, what do you, what do you hide in there in the back? This is our popcorn section of the program. <laughs> um, I think my secret talent, not to be too sad, is definitely the fact that I've, I've been there. I've been, I've decided to take my own life because of the actions of an organization and I will be damned. I will I will be damned if somebody does that again. Yes. I, I And I love that you're like, I took this thing that was powerful and painful and could have been tragic and turned it so that I can make sure others, you might get to the to the edge of the lake, but you're like, now I'm not jumping in that. Mm-mm, I'm good. Or I don't even think about doing it. And I appreciate that so much. Um, what do you think that leaders should be thinking about more right now? Leaders should be thinking more about disseminating power. So um, especially people who are in leadership positions, really thinking about how many hats you're wearing and how you're unable to serve your team because you're wearing so many damn hats. You're probably a project manager and a people manager and all of this. You need to talk to your organization about why we need to hire two, three more people for this position. Absolutely. 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 I think that is so, so, so critical. Um, and I'm wondering, like, as you think about what's next for you, what's the big thing that you've got going that you want to be able to, like, knock out of the park? Um, so I have a documentary coming up where I'm featured as somebody who has attempted suicide and lives with mental health conditions. That's something I'm really excited about and really hoping that goes well. I've never seen anybody that looks like me or from my background or my community talk about mental health and not look in a negative light. You know what I mean? And I wear this shit on my shoulders. I wear this shit on my sleeve. 
So I want to see somebody like that who's just on camera and says, oh, hell yeah, I have mental health conditions, but I'm still doing this damn thing. Exactly. You're like, I'm still doing it. I'm still making it happen. And we don't have enough of that representation, I don't think, on on screen. So I think that that is going to be the dopest thing ever. It's going to be so dope. So one of the things I want to I want to talk about before we get out of here is how can folks take the new tools that they are learning about boundary setting, about creating the environment that they want to be in and really applying that in their day-to-day lives? Hmm. Um, Create a support system, whether that's a coach or a therapist or a community that's hell-bent on setting boundaries anywhere. Just those type of people that are aligned with the new you that you're trying to get to, bring those people closer and ask them for help. You cannot do this alone. There's a whole big systems. We talked about it, the isms, all of them that are trying to get you to not see your worth and stay underneath the thumb of everything out there. And so you're going to need that support system to help you remember who the fuck you are and keep doing this journey. Remember who you are. Listen, Katrina, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Um, We're going to put all of your information in the show notes. So tell everybody how we can stay connected to you and where do you hang out the most on these internet streets? I am always in the LinkedIn streets. (laughs) But also my website is www.katrinastroll.com. All of my stuff is up there. Feel free to reach out. Absolutely. And we're making sure that we um, link your podcast as well so folks can have a listen. So I want to thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Listen, y'all, this has been another great episode of Let's Take This Offline, the podcast for everyday leaders. And today's guest ah, warmed all my heart. Y'all, get you some boundaries. You hear? And I will be talking to you real soon. We'll talk, y'all. Like what you heard and need a little bit more of this in your life? Well, I want you to head on over to Kish Camp, my virtual camp for stressed out managers who are looking to manage people better and lead with confidence. You can head over to Kish Camp at www.kishcamp.co.